0: WXDXFM Pittsburgh
1: The Pirates won last night at PNC Park But only 12,000 people showed up The Pirates are in first place But only 12,000 people showed up Oh my god How can this happen Why didn't you go They're in first place You're not a real Pittsburgher If you don't support this great team Look, I have never told people to not go to Pirate Games. Pointedly the opposite, as a matter of fact. If you want to go, go. It's your money. Different people get invested in different things. As for me, I'm going on the thirtieth. But the bucko stooges out there shouldn't dare lay a guilt trip on Pittsburgh because the pirates are in first place and attendance still sucks. It's going to take more than a decent 40 games to make people trust ownership and management again. It's not about the team being good for six weeks. It's about waiting for money to once again take precedence over winning games. It's about waiting for having made $86 million over the last two years to not be enough and for Josh Harrison to get traded so the profit can be a little more. It's about trust. Don't tell people how to spend their money. I don't. Do what you want with yours. I will do what I want with mine. And it doesn't matter what place they're in in the middle of May. That restores my faith in nothing. Sick again. brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. I do love the kvetching over only 12K at the game last night. My God, they're in first place. What is wrong with you people? And then there's the revised history about what's happened since 2015. And there's the convenient history like, well, they got Corey Dickerson, or didn't you notice? Yeah, I did notice. Did you notice that they got rid of Cutch and Cole? The Pirates are in first place. Great. They'd be doing better with Cutch and Cole, and they could afford it. And oh, lordy, how the fanboys have turned on Kutch and Cole. They stunk last year. They were tearing the clubhouse apart. Right, because you've been in the clubhouse plenty of times. Now, if that's true, maybe it's because Cutch and Cole finally figured out what nothing's up to. The Pirates are playing well right now. And there's so many bad teams. I think they're going to stay in contention for quite some time. And yeah, they might make the playoffs. But will they do what's necessary at the deadline if the possibility still looms? And you watch. Wait for these words. Well, we really like who we have right now. That's who's gotten us into contention. And Josh Harrison... We have younger guys who could step in and do just as well. Look at Adam Frazier. Look at Moran at third base. We wish Josh well with the Yankees or Mets or whoever needs a super utility guy. Can't you just hear it? Uh, At any rate, the stooges and shills think we're supposed to be grateful for crumbs. We're in first place in the middle of May. We should have a parade. Start chopping up confetti. Yeah, start chopping up lines if you want me to buy into that. To go nuts just because you won a couple games. People are supposed to turn their brains off and just enjoy it. I, I just don't buy it. If, if you look at the way the Pirates are run and the moves that have been made, and contrary to what the Stooges and Shills want you to believe, the Pirates history didn't just start in 2013. They missed the playoffs for 20 straight years before that. They were below 500 for 20 years before that. But we're just supposed to have blind faith and, and, and trust the process. I guess that's the Sixers catchphrase, but it certainly applies to what the Pirates are trying to put forth here. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. Let's go to Josh in Beaver. Josh, you're on with Double M. What's going on, Mark? How you doing? What's up? Hey, I just wanted your opinion on, um, let's say you swap places with Bob Nutting. How would you personally manage the team differently to, you know, see the fan base come back and, and see more people start to attend these games? Well, can I give you an example? Yeah, sure. After 2015, I would have invested wisely and reasonably in that team, and I wouldn't have kept everybody. I mean, you can't keep Ramirez and Burnett from retiring, although I don't even think they tried to, to get either of those two to play again. I would have signed Jay Happ. I would not have traded Neil Walker. Neil Walker had one more year on his deal, and even if you didn't resign him to long-term, he would help you more in that one year than whoever you acquired for Neil Walker, would help you in perpetuity, which was certainly borne out by the bum they got from the Mets for Walker, John Neese. So that's the bare minimum I would have done. And I probably would have kept Pedro Alvarez around for another year because, you know, he hits home runs. The Pirates, when they got rid of Walker and Alvarez, let a third of their home runs leave the team at one time, over a third. So that's what I would have done. And that would not have broken the bank. Let's go to Bob in the car. Bob, you're on with the super genius. Bob, are you there? Yep. My God, you are there. I heard a dial tone. What the hell happened? Okay, Bob, go ahead.
2: So I went last night and I went today. And the big thing that I'm wondering is
0: why are you starting starting Sean Rodriguez? He's awful. I understand he's a great utility player, but why are you starting him? Come on.
1: Because guys are hurt. That,
2: that makes sense, but come on. like you can
1: No, no, no. Because anywhere. guys are hurt. That's why he started. Anything else? Started
2: Adam Fraser anywhere. He came off the bench today.
1: Okay, you asked me why they started Sean Rodriguez. Because guys are hurt. Thank you for the call. I mean, when I answer it, and it's not opinion, it's either a right or wrong, and you still don't believe it? I know. I know. This is is the business I've chosen. Oh, you know what else the Pirates could say when they trade Harrison? We had our best spell of the season when Josh was hurt. That gave other guys an opportunity and they took advantage of it and we want them to continue taking advantage of it. Has nothing to do with chopping off that $10 million salary, which by the way goes up next year and the year after even more. 412-333-9939 412-333-9939 is the number to call. How much should I talk about the World Cup? Somebody tweeted, Getzi, the guy who scored the World Cup winner for Germany, is that the guy with the bulge? Anybody remember that? After the World Cup, he was on a boat in a Speedo, making out with his girlfriend, and, uh, well... The resulting photographs left nothing to the imagination. But now, see those public displays of affection? They don't like that crap in Germany. Ruthless efficiency. He's cut from the World Cup team. 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. How you doing today, honey? Really good, sweetheart. Borderline violent. Very noisy. Absolutely beautiful. The X at 105.9. I got a Pirate fan on Twitter saying, how about when your Penguins almost moved? How about when your Penguins went bankrupt? How about when your Penguins lost in the second round to Washington? How about when your Penguins fixed the draft so they could get Crosby? Dude, you sound like a Flyers fan. And I can't think of any insult worse than that. And if you think the Pirates are even in the same league as the Penguins... When it comes to being a sports franchise, wow, that's like comparing horse manure to ice cream, like comparing warm urine to Dom Perignon. Just an unthinkable comparison. I mean, Mr. Burkle and Mario compared to the Hillbilly Prince, I believe everything that Ron and Mario say because they've always lived up to their promises, Tell me what promise the Hillbilly Prince has lived up to. Bob Nutty. I'll tell you what he hasn't lived up to. Which was made through the drunken mouth of his stooge, the President Coonally. If we get revenue, the payroll will keep up. Well, they got revenue, and the payroll has not kept up. 412-333-9939, the number to call Uh, this guy tweets, so the last three Stanley Cups are void. I really don't think they're void. I I still, actually I hate this story, but I love talking about it. If we're just tuning in, Lucas Glover, the golfer, he missed the cut at the Players Championship. So his wife called him a loser, said if he didn't start winning, she was going to take the kids and he would never see the kids again. And then she beat him up And then she beat up his mother. The police came. They cuffed her. She somehow got out of the cuffs and broke a door in a police car and said, quote, this is why cops get shot in the face. We live in a world where you can never hit a woman. And that's a good thing. But boy, there are exceptions to every rule. And would this have been an exception to your rule? I got to tell you, I'm going to be very blunt. If she had hit me and beat the crap out of me, like apparently this woman did to Lucas Glover, Lucas Glover's wife did to him, I would have covered up. When she started hitting my mother, I would have hit her in the back of the head with a hammer and let God sort it out after that. Okay? That makes me a bad person. I'm a bad person. You don't get to hit my mother. Not that I keep a, hand, a hammer handy for just such an occasion. I mean, seriously, how do you guys feel about that? I don't feel like I just said anything bad right now. I would defend my mother before I'd defend myself. And she attacked the mother because the mother stepped in to try to break up the fight where she was beating the crap out of the husband. I mean, if there's ever a time where a woman should get hit, I'm not going to say by who. I'm not going to say by me. It's a shame the mom didn't have more game, a little more, a little more, you know, down and dirtiness to her, because the mom kicks the crap out of her. That That's pretty cool. Four one two Let's go to Rob in the car. Rob, you're on with Double M.
2: Hey, Super Genius. I just wanted to ask you
0: your opinion about the Pirates and their small market, um,
1: Wah, small market! Wah! Small market! Can't win! Small market! Wah! Well,
2: no, I'm saying that uh, the Nuttings get $20 million whether they have a winning
0: season or
1: yeah, not. Yeah, I know how much is- money they've made. They've made $86 million over the past two years.
0: Right, so why would you care to spend money to build a team when your money's guaranteed
1: in a small market? Thank you for the call. Because it's the right thing to do. You see, I have a different viewpoint on team ownership and always have. If you listen to this show... You'd know that. I think the town and the fans own the team. Not financially, but uh, in actuality. And I think the owner is the caretaker and should do what's best for the town. And the Rooneys have always done that. I mean, they take care of themselves too. But the rooneys they've always tried to win. Mario and Ron, they've always tried to win. And when they couldn't win... They put the team in a position to set itself up to win at a later date. Pirates don't try to win. You see, here's where they confuse you people. Well, one reason is because most of you aren't too bright. Another is they do make good baseball moves. But they do within the context of maximizing profit. They never make enough good baseball moves, and they never will. But you point at the... You pointed the Drafting and development of certain players, which, by the way, they've kind of gone sour on for the past umpteen years. Is Polanco ever going to be good? Is Polanco ever going to look like he cares? I'd settle for one or the other. And they signed Dickerson. You say that's a great baseball move. But, you know, they signed Dickerson even as they shoved Cole and Kutch out the door. They make good baseball moves, just never enough. And never So many that they compromise the profitability. I mean, what don't you get about that? Because if you don't get that, you just don't want to get that. I back the right horse, I can tell you that. 412-333-9939. Up next, Hockey Talk with Mike Rupp. Rupp just around the corner on 105.9. This is Evgeny Malkin, and you are listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. The NHL playoffs are going hot, hotter, hottest. Joining me now to discuss, he was a Stanley Cup champion with New Jersey, a former Penguin, now with the NHL Network, it's Mike Rupp. Rupper, what happened last night at D.C.? Because Tampa did what they couldn't do at home and mostly dominated.
0: Yeah, uh, I think going into the, the game, the only thing that Tampa had going in their favor is their power play through the first two games they only scored one other goal outside of the power play in the first two games. So, um, you know, that's something that from the Tampa standpoint, they needed to continue. But from a Washington standpoint, you've got to view that as, hey, if there's any reason to not allow them to get anything going, get any momentum, it's don't give them any power play passes. Don't don't allow them to get on that power play. We can't take penalties. And they took five. And uh, Tampa scored on two. Then they found their five-on-five game as well. So, all of a sudden now, um, you look for – true three games it's been a heavy heavy favor of washington to at the end of the day currently up one game right now on the on the lightning so it can go either way for this next game in, in washington
1: now tampa really buckled down defensively last night what did they do differently last night as opposed to games one and two rupper? because washington had very few odd man breaks for that matter very few truly good chances
0: yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think a lot of times when you're when you looking at it, I think that a team in their situation as far as Tampa, um, Tampa all year long, you're going to get chances to score against them. Um, last night even, even though they played a lot better game than Washington, Washington still had 38 shots on goal. So you're going to get chances against them. I thought they did a good job of limiting what kind of quality chances they are, there are. And, and, and Tampa needs to be patient. And the first two games, Tampa would get impatient with maybe not be able to get a goal past Braden Holpe, and they'd start opening things up, and then they're giving away point-blank opportunities. and A lot of the things that Andre Vasilevsky was seeing the second half of the season, you know, you can't let your goalie see on a regular basis. So if this Tampa team is patient, they don't get concerned about the shot clock up there because you're still going to give up a lot of shots. Just don't give up the prime shots, the, the quality grade-A opportunities. I thought they did a good job of managing that last night.
1: Kucherov only had the one goal in the Boston series, and got his first goal of the series last night. And I thought he played brilliantly. Rupper, they need more of that from him, don't they? Uh, Stamkos has been great all series, but it seems like Kucherov needs to be more of a catalyst.
0: I want to say he had eight shots last night in the game, or eight shot attempts, or I, I believe it was eight shots. And um,
1: he had a lot of he, shots and some pretty good feeds too.
0: Yeah, and but that's the thing that's key with him and, and I compare it to Patty Kane. When Patty Kane came well, you no know what? Let's keep it Pittsburgh because you can say it's about Sidney Crosby as well. Sid was a pass first guy, always was. Until he when he started really taking off to be Sidney Crosby, I think it's when he when he potted fifty and he when he potted fifty I think that oh nine ten season and from then on now all of a sudden, how do you defend this, this guy? He started becoming predictable in this passing game, but he was still great, and he could still pull him off. And I think that when you look at Patty Kane was that same kind of story when he started scoring. Now you're talking league MVP guy for Patrick Kane. Kucherov did have a ton of goals. He was one of the league leaders this year, but he still looks to pass first. And I think last night he did a great job of establishing shot. He's got an amazing shot. We saw it on that goal. And when you start doing that, then you see the great pass he makes to Hedman and gives Hedman an empty net for the other assist. Now you're cooking with gas. This guy looks to be, when he establishes shot, all those other things fall into place. Now you're talking about a guy who, um, you know, was up for the MVP talk this year.
1: Tom Wilson took a high hit from Anton Strauman. <clears throat> Strauman will not be disciplined. There's some irony there, Ruppers, especially when Wilson complained about it after i laughed out loud yeah. when i heard that soundbite
0: yeah listen man i said this literally uh in between breaks uh i said this during break i should say uh when when i saw the audio or heard the audio it's like <sighs> tom just play like i love i love what the guy brings i really do and he's been such such a valuable player for this team and you you can't You you can't say anything right there. You're the wrong guy to say anything about that situation. I like it. If you would have just left it to the fact of, if it's brought up, just say, hey, the shoe's on the other foot, and that's me hitting him. I'm pretty sure something's happening about it. Just drop it. But don't keep going and trying to break it down. Just go play the game. I don't think he really is helping himself out in any, any aspect that way.
1: Nicholas Backstrom hasn't yet played in this series. Is that starting to catch up a bit
0: with Washington? Um. It's hard to say. I mean, everybody that stepped in has done an amazing job. Can they sustain that and keep it going? I don't know. I mean, the the one thing I think, and just from the, being inside that locker room and knowing when players are dealing with things, I think going up two zero. Uh, put it this way: this next game, game four, is going to smoke out a lot. Who cares about this, you know, upper body injury, lower body that we always hear in the NHL? If he's going to play in this series. I think it's game four. If we don't see him in game four, we don't see him the rest of the series. And uh, this is, you, you, you got to try to find a way, if he can go at all or even give it a try, you try him in this game four. You're up 2-0. It's 2-1 now. This is a huge game for both squads. Um, they, I, even if you bring him in to a capacity where maybe he's not able to go with the right clip or he's able to um, fully feel good enough to play on the top six. I mean, honestly, throw him on the third and get him some power play minutes. Yeah, just see if, see how we can do that way. If you can do that, maybe it'll lighten the burden a little bit um, on uh, you know the other the other centermen in, in Kuznetsov and and, uh, and Eller and allow them to keep playing in the role they're in as well.
1: We're talking to Mike Rupp of the NHL Network. He's brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Make every day a Porsche day with the new Macan. Um, we got Game Three tonight in Vegas in that Western Conference Final. And Mark andre Fleury is killing it, isn't he? He was brilliant in game two, especially early. I thought he won that game as much as anybody on Vegas.
0: Yeah, he was, uh, He it was a great response for him because we know, and listen, I we all seen it, and uh, we've seen it, I've seen it up close and personal, where you just get a couple bad bounces in the playoffs, and he's been so amazing. I was really curious on how he's going to respond because, you know, in the, in, the, in the first game, you get a couple of those bounces and they're going off, you know, skates in front of the net, just things you can't really control. We've seen those in the past. We've seen how that's kind of crippled his team in front of him and him, and it didn't happen. And I love it because this is for Marc-Andre Fleury. He's more mature now. All those things are in the past. Um, I love the response. The team had a great response. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. You know, it's kind of funny. I was joking around about it yesterday. My dad's been texting me all these predictions for all this stuff, and he's been right more than I have, so he's been jawing me about it. And uh, he, <laughs> goes, he goes, listen here, he goes, I got biggest win in the cup. I'm like, come on, Dad, you got biggest win in the cup? And he goes, yeah, against Washington. He goes, Washington thinks that they've slayed the Giant and the Penguins, but what they forget about is the Giant the whole time has been Marc-Andre Fleury, and he's still out there. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, uh, that would come back and hunt this Capitals team. And uh, But it would be interesting. But Flower looks like they you know, that team's back on track. And uh, I still think Winnipeg finds a way to win this series, but, man, that was a, a big statement game for them in game two.
1: Will this ever happen again? Will an expansion team ever again be this good?
0: No, 100% no. I was talking to... I was talking to an Eastern Conference GM uh, probably about a month ago, and we were talking about potential in Seattle, and I said, it's kind of an uphill battle for whoever gets that job there as GM. And he said, oh my gosh, uh, it's not a job I think it's going to be, that position is going to be held very long because the standard has been set now by Vegas, and also the, the standard of the rules uh, for the expansion draft have been set already. So now teams have a couple of years to make sure their roster is trending in the right direction to anticipate all those things and protect the right guys. And these, these great moves, all of their shrewd, awesome negotiating, taking on bad contracts, everything George McPhee did, this next GM is not going to have. So I, I just don't think it's ever going to happen again. It was kind of, uh, everybody was learning on the job. And this GM I talked to said, the guys learned from their mistakes. They're not going to make them twice.
1: Has Dustin when always been this good for Winnipeg or has he elevated his game in these playoffs?
0: I'll tell you, when he first came in the league, remember he was playing in Chicago as a forward. I was in New Jersey and you know, just like everybody would probably do with me too, whenever you're a guy um, you know, and, and you play a physical role and you see another big guy on the other team, you, you kind of you size him up in warm ups then you want to see what they're made of on face offs and you just kinda of come in and you get close to one another, and you're fighting for position, and you start leaning on each other. And when you lean on a guy and you get a little bit of a, a good pushback, you know he's engaged, and he's, you know, it's kind of like the the call of the wild. like The animal's fighting over, like, what, what are we dealing with here? And I remember one of the first times I lined up with him, and he's huge. I leaned on him, and literally he just, like, it was like a wet noodle. And I'm like, whoa. Like, I fell, I like fell down to my, one knee, and I got up because there's no resistance. And I'm like, this guy just physically not here he's like doesn't he doesn't want to engage that way and that was kind of a knock for him for a number of years then all of a sudden i think he started realizing i can do what i want out here and no one can say anything about it and he's come full circle and he can do anything he wants on the ice he can skate like the wind he can uh, you you saw ryan reeves run over and try to hammer him in the game and he just got thrown down like he was nothing um dustin bufflin for me, outside of Mark Shifley, Connor Halabak, you can kind of argue. Honestly, he might be there. He might be their con Smythe right now. I mean, that's how good this guy's playing. Well, let's stay
1: with Shifley for a second. Is he truly proving himself to be among the NHL's elite? Does he belong in the conversation with guys like Crosby and McDavid?
0: So uh, I'm gonna. I, I... I already said how I've picked wrong who's winning playoff Series this whole playoffs, so I got try to reclaim I got try to reclaim something. I've said now for two years. Mark Shifley, if you had me handpick a superstar to start a team, we're doing a fantasy draft. Um, there's probably three players in the league right now that I would pick over him. Just three. Crosby, McDavid. Then I'd start teetering, I don't know, Matthews, maybe. I don't know which way i go. Vince Marsh-Shifley. I mean, that's how good this guy is. He's been this good for a couple of years. Um, size, strength, kind of the same thing. I won't say maybe as an extreme as what Bufflin was when he first came in, but I think he's starting to really realize that he is strong and he can use his muscle just as much as he uses his finesse. And he's starting to do it. He is the real deal um, Man, it's, uh, yeah, he, he, can, he can do, he's an absolute superstar. He's definitely not McDavid, Crosby level, but who is? But if you're talking the next tier, he's the first one on it.
1: Where do each of these series go from here, uh, Robert? the conference finals?
0: Um, you know what, I, I just have a feeling you've got, uh, I, I think, I think Winnipeg gets a good pushback in this game. I think they're gonna, I think that one's gonna go back and forth. I think it's gonna go deep, uh, the Winnipeg-Vegas series. I think as long as Winnipeg doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, they should win that series. Uh, the, the, Caps Lightning, I, I just thought too highly of this Lightning team going into last night's game, thought that they would win last night's game, but where it goes from here, I don't know because the Caps still had 40 shots on goal. They didn't get blown out in the game. They were still in the game. So is that the best Tampa? If that's the best Tampa's got in the series, Washington's going to win. But I still think Tampa's got another notch. I don't know. I originally thought this was going to go uh, pretty quick in Tampa's favor, but I think we might be lining ourselves up for two series that could go six or seven each.
1: Rupper, great stuff as always. We'll do it again next week.
0: Awesome. Sounds good.
1: That's Mike Rupp with us for the balance of the playoffs, and he's brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Up next, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin, 105.9. Ford Wexford.
0: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yeah, Mark. What are
1: buddy? Hi, buddy. Hey, Mr. Madden. How you doing? What, up? what if they were assless chaps? Would that help at all? If they what? DX the at 105.9. I got to get this in before we talk to Bob. Uh, I wrote a column for the Trib today about what I've been talking about, which is that there is no boycott. That it's organic, that pirate attendance is down because people don't trust ownership and management. And that was in response to some stooge blogger writing a column about a boycott. So somebody tweeted at him Do you have any response to Mad writing an entire article to combat your boycott commentary and calling you a stooge fanboy blogger? And the blogger replied, I haven't seen the article and probably never will seek it out. So no response. I prefer my baseball opinions to come from people who actually cover baseball and know something about the sport, period. Okay, but, but Einstein, this has nothing to do with baseball knowledge. Okay, it's nothing to do with covering the Pirates. You are saying there's a boycott of the Pirates when there is no evidence whatsoever to suggest that there is. No evidence whatsoever to suggest that there is. But then again just as you say you can't take me seriously because I don't cover baseball, I can't take you seriously because as you proved with this quote-unquote reporting, you're an amateur with no experience in the actual media and no journalism degree. So ain't we both content? We welcome now to the program Bob McGoughlin. Bob, oh, and somebody responded, Madden literally has zero idea how baseball works. You hit the ball. You catch the ball. You throw the ball. What more do I need to know? Bob McLaughlin joining me. Brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, uh, speaking of the Pirates, what's your take on the story about this farmhand in the Bucco system? Right-handed pitcher Gage Hints, who needed open-heart surgery to repair a valve. But he will be able to resume his career, and he got to pay for it himself. He started a GoFundMe to facilitate such. The Pirates won't pay for it because it's not baseball-related. Technically, the Pirates are right, but boy, that's not a good look, is it?
2: It's not a good look. And and I was going to ask for some more information or say, I don't want to comment because you don't know really what's going on here. But the point that he actually has to have a GoFundMe page, I mean, that tells you everything. That tells you that insurance is not covering that that he doesn't have the money to do it obviously this is a life saving procedure obviously it's kind of important and with the number that you've been putting out the last couple of days i believe it's 86 million
1: 86 million profit over the last two seasons correct
2: be kind of a good guy move to go ahead and just pay for that one you know
1: i mean what's the most it could cost like a like 10 or 20 grand wouldn't you figure the oh, most? Oh, I have no
2: idea. Jeez, oh, Mark, I've seen broken ankles that cost twenty grand now with medical costs now. Okay,
1: let, let's say it's a hundred grand to Bob Nutting in that
2: organization. That's nothing. nothing, as you say. It's butt wipe money.
1: There you go. Now, what about Lucas Glover, the golfer who 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 didn't make the cut at the Players Championship, and his wife called him a loser, called him another very derogatory name, beat him up, beat lucas glover's mother up the cops arrested her i mean that sounds to me like one of the most frightening scenarios i could possibly imagine and if lucas glover doesn't dump her and divorce her forget about the kids and go for custody based on this uh occurrence he's got to be nuts
2: already tweeted out that he still loves her he wants you know to keep the family together and that he's he supports her and has got her back but That is a
1: battered man right there.
2: Behind the scenes, he's got to get her some help or something like that. You know, he didn't even really want to press charges when the police first responded. Again, that's a battered man. Exactly. I mean, all sorts of problems going on here, Mark. It was, and as you said, it was only when the mother stepped in between the two of them, and the wife turned and started to badly beat the mother, her mother-in-law. You know, and the police came, they they took all the statements and everything. And at first, he wasn't going to say anything until the mom said, yeah, I, I kind of want to put a statement out there. And then, uh, you know, the, the golfer corroborated it, everything. did he
1: say that she was kind of drinking all day? Yeah. Kind they, of.
2: She had started. Yeah. started all day. Kind of drinking started in the afternoon. So obviously there's the problem here. And, you know, totally out of control. That is a no-win situation. I'd have for to get rid guy. of her.
1: I don't know how you can, you can hold on to a, a woman like that.
2: Or maybe get a professional... Now it's out there, though, Mark. Now everybody knows what's going on here. She, I mean, he has to help the her get The backlash
1: toward her won't be nearly as bad as it was toward, say, Ray Rice.
2: No, absolutely right. Totally well, maybe, maybe uh, totally agree be. with you.
1: Maybe it should be. Maybe that is really quality. Well, the thing is, I mean... maybe this- Maybe the battered man deserves as much sympathy as the battered woman.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you said it when you first started talking about the story. I mean, there's a lot of people laughing at this story and everything.
1: Right, because, again, to show you how we haven't come that far, because while we want to protect the woman from being battered, and we should, when the man gets battered, to most people it's a joke because the man got battered.
2: Right, and this is the time it made the news. You, right. He's, he, you know, look, he said even in the past this has happened when I have a bad round. I mean, that's imagine you're having a bad day at work. And you come home, and you're thinking, oh, God, at least I'm not at work anymore. But the worst part of your day is when you get home from work.
1: Uh, Bob, the Pirates won today. They won last night. They're never going to lose again.
2: First place, baby.
1: Uh, How seriously do you take them? Because they played about two-thirds of their games against pretty bad teams, and now there's a relentless test coming up. A series at home at the end of the month against St. Louis and Chicago. In fact, there's an 18-game stretch where they play exclusively. The Cubs, St. Louis, Arizona, and L.A.
2: Yeah, I mean. L.A.'s
1: really struggling.
2: Yeah, well, first place says you got to take them seriously at this point right now. And you're right. The the schedule has really helped them out. And so has some of the play, you know. But they are a story right now. They are a first place story. Um, They've got those games. Well,
1: they're a story here. I mean, Atlanta's in first place, too. And really, all that does for me, Bob, is confirm how early it really is
2: well it's it's early, but it's not as we talked the other day. It's not early enough that you can't just say, "Ah, well, it's too early in the season. I mean we're at the quarter- quarter point, so you have to you have to recognize it and
1: Dodgers it, are sixteen and twenty five
2: yeah well, the Brewers are right there with the Pirates, a little bit behind them, you know Saint St Louis has fallen the Ever Reds since have fallen. the Cubs
1: won the World Series a couple of years back, whatever it is they haven't had since they don't appear to be close to finding there's there's something missing there since they won the world series
2: yeah absolutely and again how many times have we seen teams go on great runs right now the pirates are what 8 and 2 run i think the other people in the nl central uh the best is 6 and 4 over the last 10 games and then you've got people just falling off a cliff that 8 and 2 isn't going to last it's not going to be the next quarter of the season or the rest of the season you know and i think everybody understands that but at this point it is a good story for the Pirates because not too many other uh, stories no, no, are No,
1: no question. And I, I've always – you see, people, when they listen to this show, all the Pirate Stooges out there, that goes for the bloggers, the fanboys. You, you know. And the funny part is I think some of the people who who bellyache the loudest about the crowds being too small for a first-place team don't go or don't go very much. But uh, But I've not ignored how good they're doing. I just don't trust the management or the ownership to – Build on what they're doing. Do you?
2: No, they haven't given you any reason to do that. But again, as we talked yesterday, the, the test is if they keep this up and they're in, you know, they are a couple of games out going into the trade deadline and then you see what the Pirates management do. I mean, again, this year, if they are within striking distance, if they are there and things are going well for them, they absolutely have to make an acquisition or two or make a move that will, you know, satisfy the Pirate faithful. Because if they're right there and they do another move like they had the last number of years and they cut somebody or they get rid of Harrison or, you know, they just save a buck, you know, then everything falls in. Then you see that 15,000 number mark go down to 10 or even less because then that's absolutely proof positive. For the people who are still hanging on, there's no argument to have now. You know exactly what the Pirate's business plan is.
1: Uh, Bob, Tom Wilson got hit in the head last night by Anton Strauman of Tampa Bay. Then he complained about it afterward. (laughs) And that's just one more reason to hate Tom Wilson. Uh, First, he tries to kill Zach Aston Reese. I mean, caves his head in, breaks his jaw, and he takes a love tap last night from Anton Strauman and talks about he's looking out for safety in the game of hockey when he complains. And you know what still made a big negative impression on me? Some guys just play like Tom Wilson play. And it makes them valuable, which is an indictment of hockey. But if you're going to play that way, you have to fight sooner or later. And when Alexei wanted to fight him, after that big hit that Aston Reese, he wouldn't do it. Now, I know Penguin critics will say that Brooks Orpic and Matt Cook were like that as well. And mm-hmm. you know what? They were. But that doesn't mean I have to like Tom Wilson.
2: No, absolutely not. And Rupper had a great... Uh, a great uh, point on that. He talked about the last time that when Alexiak wanted to fight him, and that's not Rupper's game. I think Rupper lost, you know, uh, <laughs> Rupper lost some respect if he had any for Wilson at that point. But even last night, you heard what Rupper said saying, if you were going to play like that, you can't talk when something like that happens to you. And I'm surprised that the league's not looking at that. He definitely left his feet, he definitely hit him from behind, he definitely hit him in the head. Now, I know it was no hit. Like they got on Zach Aston Reese, but I thought that it was at least, you know, no matter who it is, I thought the league was going to look at it um, and maybe a fine or something like that. But no, they're not going to do anything.
1: It could have been a fine, but that's as far as I would go. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about something that irritates a lot of people at Pirate and Penguin games 1059 X.